this week, as we dive into the story of Moses and the Exodus, as we dive into the story of Moses, and we look at the story of how God delivered his people, what I want us to keep in mind is that whole process really paints for us a picture of the true Christian walk. And what am I talking about? I want to just say this very clearly. If we've been alive long enough, and if we've been Christians long enough, we know that true Christianity is not the absence of conflict. We know that one is a Christian and that conflict is very much a reality. If you've been a Christian long enough, you know that Christianity is not being a perfect person the moment that you give your life to Christ. I bought that lie, man. I, I came to Jesus, I gave my life to him, and I thought I'd be perfect, but then like five minutes later I sinned. Can you believe that? Incredible. We know that Christianity is not about an arrival of perfection, but rather being perfected in him until we see him face to face, which means the process doesn't end on this side of eternity. We also know that Christianity is not the absence, being a Christian, the true Christian walk, is not the absence of pain and suffering. Pain and suffering is a reality for everyone. It's just that us as Christians know that even our pain and suffering, God has a purpose through everything that he does, and we accept and believe and trust and faith in his will. We also know that the Christian walk is not something that we're supposed to do in our strength, but rather a total dependence on who God is as we live day by day. So how does this story in the desert, how does the story in, of Exodus how does it paint a reality of what the true Christian walk is? I believe that as for those of you who are in the life groups and are going to go through the scripture, you're going to see some things that really, really connect to, to what it looks like to, to walk this Christ, Christian walk, what the true Christian walk is about. And I want to share with you some of the principles that I see in the desert story, that I see in the Exodus that paint a picture of what the true Christian walk is about. Number one, the true Christian walk begins with God's prevenient grace. With his prevenient grace. What in the world does prevenient grace mean? It means this. That before you and I can choose right from wrong. Before we can turn left or right. Before we can make a decision. As a matter of fact, before we could defend ourselves. When we were defenseless. God was already at work. Working out a plan of salvation for us. In other words, God was working to set us up. So that we can be recipients of his goodness. Are you with me? God, through his son Jesus Christ, dying on the cross and planning that even before the creation of this world, was working his grace before its time to set us up for his goodness. I mean, when you look at the story of Moses and everything that was going on throughout the time that Moses was born, the people of Joseph that we talked about, that whole era was gone. 400 years have passed, and the, the Hebrews were under slavery. In the midst of that slavery, they, they knew nothing but hard labor and being oppressed. And in the process of that, the Pharaoh wanted to make sure to control the Hebrews. Therefore, he asked the midwives to kill all of the male Hebrews that were born. The midwives refused to do so. They lied to Pharaoh. God favored them for refusing to obey such a wicked law. And in the process of this culture where Pharaoh is now upset and now he's saying, let's throw all these Hebrew boys into the river. That's the culture in which Moses is born. 
Moses' mother sees her child, is in love with her child. And something moves her. In the midst of such an oppressive culture, I mean, can you think about how aggressive and how violent this culture was? Can you imagine how many, how much, how the weeping must have been, the murders that took place as mothers would refuse to take their children? Do you think mothers would just give up their children like that? Can you imagine the torture that some people went through? But this woman was compelled to take a papyrus basket, prepare it so that it could float. She put her baby in the water, in the river, trusting God to make a way out of no way. Incredible faith. By God's prevenient grace, this baby flows right at the right time in front of a woman that would take him and have compassion over a weeping baby. It's not as if he's the first one in the water. Are you with me? But over this one, God has compassion. It's incredible to read that story, to think of that story, to see how God was so involved in Moses' story that Moses was redeemed and drawn out of the water. That's prevenient grace. When God is at work for us, when we can't choose right from left, God is at work doing, making a way out of no way. i got to ask you a question. Have you noticed in your life how many times God has drawn you out of the water? Maybe you're here and you can look back at your life and see that even before you were a Christian or you made a commitment to follow God, there were times where God's presence was right there making a way out of no way. Can I get an amen if that's you? Have you noticed that God has constantly tried to get your attention and he prepares windows of opportunities to try to get you to respond to his grace and his goodness do you realize that this moment right now, you sitting in this house hearing this message, is a setup from God so that you would know that he wants to pour out his goodness over you? Have you considered that today? That's prevenient grace. Grace at work before we were looking for grace. Christianity at its core, at its core is not us finding God, but God aggressively looking for us saying, here I am. I am your life. I am why you are. I am your satisfaction. Turn to me, and I will give you life in abundance. And how aggressive our God is as he pursues us in his grace. So the true Christian walk begins with the work of God, seeking us through his grace, prevenient grace. Then it continues to the call of God. God's grace setting us up getting us in a place where we see that he's at work, that he's actually calling us, that he's moving us closer to him. And then he, God makes the big ask. And that ask is this, will you follow me? Will you follow me? And the call of God is such a call that we have to give up everything to gain everything. I love what the old missionary says. He is a fool or he is, no he is no fool who gives up, gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up this life that he cannot keep to gain eternal life what he cannot lose. It's incredible. So the grace of God progresses 
into the call of God. And you see the story of Moses. Scripture tells us that Moses ran away after he killed uh, the Egyptian. He ran away and he hid in the wilderness. And there he was for 40 years. And it's interesting because as Moses is running away, he's just running right into God. How many of us have ever tried to run away from God, but we run right into him? Right? Isn't that the very goodness of God at work still? But you see, what happened is, is that even though Moses grew up as an Egyptian and he had the privileges of an Egyptian, he, he had the call of God in his life, in his heart. He was burdened with the reality that he was called to something different, and he was not comfortable with the reality that his Hebrew brothers and sisters were suffering. And that burden did not allow him to live a lifestyle that wasn't pleasing to God, a lifestyle that was contradictory to the call of God in him. I want to tell you something that's the same with us. It comes to the point where God's grace is at work in us and it's so heavy that there are some things people around us are enjoying that we simply cannot enjoy because there's a call of God in us who says, that's not for you. I got something so much better for you. Everybody else is enjoying certain things. Everybody else around us is enjoying sin. Everybody else is enjoying a lifestyle that doesn't, you know, that, that, that doesn't line up to the word. But there's this burden in us that even though we want to walk away, we cannot. Because when we try to walk away, we just run right into him. Anybody ever been disturbed by the call of God? <laughs> Anybody been called in such a way that I can't turn to the left or to the right? I got to move forward. God is at work. I have a, the burden of the Lord in my life. And, you know what I'm talking about today. So Moses here is in the desert, and I find it extremely interesting that, as, again, as he's running away from God, he runs right into him. God says to him, I, uh, God shows up to Moses in a burning bush, right? Moses turns to see what's going on. God pursues him. God shows up in this burning bush. Moses looks at this burning bush. God says, uh, the, uh, basically declares, this is holy ground where you're standing. And God begins to speak to Moses. He says, I've heard the cry of my children, and now come. Another translation would say, now go. Now go, and I will use you to deliver my people. Isn't that incredible? And I want to tell you something. Whenever we feel the presence of God, Whenever the presence of God is there and calls us and we sense the presence of God, I believe with all my heart that God's presence is calling us to go somewhere. God's presence calls us to do something. When we experience the presence of God here in this church, when we experience an encounter uh, with, with the living God, we know that he encounters us not just so that we can feel his presence, which is good, but so that we can experience him and we can go and live a life that's worthy of him and do the work that he called us to do. God has called you to a work. And when we experience him, when we encounter him, he calls us to a new work. And God called Moses to a new work. God wanted to use Moses to deliver his people. The call of God begins with the grace of God, or, or the, the Christian walk begins with the grace of God, continues with the call of God. And by the way, this call of God is accompanied by the power of God. By the power of God. Exodus 4, 1 through 17, Moses, after God says that he's called him and chosen him to, to, to deliver the people of God, the first thing Moses does is doubt God. He doubts whether this could take place. And Moses answers God, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took 
hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous, and it had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put it back, his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, um, um, excuse me, pardon your servant, Lord. I'm just not a good speaker. Um, don't you have an ace somewhere? Isn't there somebody else? You see what's happening there? And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes the deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you. Speak and will teach you what to say but Moses said pardon your servant Lord um, again is, is there like somebody else you can send instead because I'm I'm, I'm kind of doubtful of this and the Lord's anger rose against Moses you know why the Lord was angry the deal is here Moses in doubting he's doubting because his eyes are focused on him this can't be done because of me but in doubting himself, he's actually doubting God. And what is he doubting? God's ability and God's competence. Are you with me? And I want to tell you something. Whenever God calls us to do something, this call of the Christian walk to live for God, to pick up our cross and die to ourselves and follow him where he leads, God doesn't call us to do something in our own strength. You cannot be a Christian in your own strength. You cannot fulfill the call and the dream that God's put in your heart in your own strength because it belongs to God. And God's desire is that you would be a jar of clay, right? That you would just be you. And as you're you and you say yes to God, God will fill you and through you do such a work that people will say, my goodness, that cannot be, that cannot be Jackie, that cannot be Alex, that cannot be Paul. God is at work in that individual. That has to be the hand of God. You see, if you could do something in your own strength, then you would get the glory. But if God calls you to do something impossible, like live for him, and he lives through you, then he gets the glory. Are you with me? This Christian walk is not so that God can just clean you up, and now you've got a clean life, sinless life. Now you can walk and try to do it right again. Try, try to get it right this time. No, you can't get it right. It is a dependence on the very presence of God filling you, living through you. We were at the Jordan River, and people were being baptized, and I was being baptized, recommitting myself to the Lord there, and recommitting my call to the ministry. And as we were there, there were some who, as they were being baptized in the Jordan River, they lost their footing because the river's still flowing, and they lost their footing, and, and the people who were baptizing them had to hold them up. And somebody said that. They said, I lost my footing as I was being baptized. And Dr. Tuttle, who was leading the group, said, that's exactly what baptism is about. That's what Christianity is about. Surrendering to God to the point that you lose your footing so that God can take over. 
That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You know what's interesting about the Jordan River? It flows into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, people can go in the Dead Sea if they want, but they can't drink the water because the minerals in the water could kill you. I find it interesting. We get baptized, you know, symbolically. We're baptized. Our sins are washed away. And if we want, we can go back to those sins, but it'll kill us. We can go back to that place and it'll destroy us. It'll sting us to death. We can dabble in it. We can, we, we can be ruined. But instead, what we're called to do is be baptized under the presence of the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, I give you my footing so that you can take over, so that people can see that it is not me, but you live through me. Are you with me? God didn't call you to do this Christianity in your own strength. The power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you. So the grace of God leading you to the call of God through the power of God. And I want to tell you something. God fills you with his power for a reason. Because you're called to be more than a conqueror. You're called to be more than a conqueror. And I want to say something. You cannot be more than a conqueror unless you're engaged in a fight. I need you to listen to that. You cannot be more than a conqueror if there is no conflict and tension in your life. So many times we, oh God, why am I going through this? I shouldn't be going through this. I'm a man of God. I, I, I don't know what's going on. It's the conflict that God has assigned so that you can be more than a conqueror. Can you receive that today? I want you to notice that God called Moses. God gave, filled Moses with his power. And as Moses went and walked in that power, it wasn't like the devil, it wasn't like Pharaoh just said, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And as you give your life to God and make a commitment to Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in you, it's not like Satan's going to sit back and say, well, you know, he's a new creature. I'm just going to sit back and let him enjoy life now. It's the actual opposite. You be, you've become his enemy instead of his servant. And now he wants to unleash every kind of attack to do one thing, kill, steal, destroy. It's what he does. And you got two formidable enemies. you got the devil who wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. And you got your flesh that's constantly screaming out, feed me, invest in me, give everything you are to me. And the only way we overcome is by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. No weapon formed against us will prosper. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will rise, us, rise up a standard against the enemy. Greater is he that lives in me than him that lives in the world. The conflict is very real. That conflict is very real. It's painful. Picking up a cross and dying to self, it's not easy. God calls us to engage in the warfare. Pharaoh raised hell against Moses. But Moses and the people of God were more than conquerors. I want you to hear me. As a Christian, all hell is going to race against you. I want you to hear me. As a Christian, the enemy is going to come against you, and he wants to destroy you. I want you to understand that very clearly. Your flesh is not going to go down without a fight. I need you to hear that today. People are not going to be okay with that. But you stand strong. Greater is he that is in you than him that's in the world. We have his power, and through his power, we will overcome the darkness that we face. And then the last point, we'll close with this. Darkness will be defeated 
because we are more than conquerors. Exodus 13, 17 to 22, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, through that, uh, though that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. I want you to pay attention to what's going on here. God calls, Isra calls the Israelites outside of the oppression of the Egyptians. And God is so involved in their lives. And he sees, you know, I'm not going to lead them to the Philistines because they're not ready for that mentally. But instead, I'm going to lead them to the wilderness and to the Red Sea. It's incredible. Now, here they are at a place of no return. And to go to the Red Sea means God has to do something for them to overcome. And only God can do something for them to overcome. Well, God does the incredible. Because the reality is, is when our hands are tied and we have no control, and we say, God, you take over, he does the incredible. I don't know what situation you find yourself in. I don't know what miracle you're waiting for God uh, for. I don't know what financial breakthrough or, or whatever it is that you're waiting for, but I want you to know, when you get to the point where you can't do anything else, that's where God does his best work. Are you with me? That's where God does his best work. That's where he does his best work. Just hold on. Right? But there they are, and God, God in his wisdom, says, I'm not going to take them that way. I'm going to take them this way. Right? Because God knows what he's doing. And I want you to know something. Sometimes the ways of God make no sense. I'm going to rephrase that. A lot of times the ways of God make no sense to us. There are times in my life where I, I want to say, God, I think, uh, you know, if you would have asked me, I, I think I had a better plan. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, right? I know it sounds ridiculous verbalizing it, but admit it, that's the way you feel sometimes, right? Right? It's just the way that we feel. But all that wilderness experience, all of that God knowing in his ways, preparing his people to be more than conquerors. I want you to understand this. You're more than conquerors because Jesus already overcame. Right? He overcame and he's given you the victory. And now as sons and daughters of God, he's saying, now that I overcame, walk in that victory that I've given you and proceed towards more victory. That's why you're more than a conqueror. Jesus, through his grace, has called you, filled you with his power, has given you power over darkness, and as you continue to walk in victory, you are more than a conqueror. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. What's the true Christian walk? What is the true Christian walk? I want to say this again. God's grace working when we weren't even looking for it. God's grace leading us to the call of God in our lives. Not so that we can do this Christian walk in our strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the very power of the Holy Spirit making us more than conquerors in every situation of our lives. You know, today, even right now, the the altar call that just rings in my head that I'm, I know that I'm supposed to make this morning is that there are people who find themselves with an impossible situation. They don't know what to do with it. And the Lord's saying, you got to let go and let me be God in your life. 
and you're here and you find yourself like Moses' mama, I don't know where to go. Like Moses' mama, what God's calling you to do is let go. Put that in a basket. In other words, lift up your hands and give that situation to God. And trust, trust that he's in control of your life. Trust that he has your best interest in mind. If that's you today, you're saying, there's areas in my life where I know I need to let go and let God. Would you raise your hand right where you are? If you're saying, I know that this I need to surrender to God. And as I raise my hand as a symbol, I'm releasing it to you. Raise your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see every hand raised right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that the power of your Holy Spirit would come in, that you would counsel them, that you would lead them and teach them to let go let you be God in their lives. Lord, whatever it may be, maybe their children have gotten to an impossible situation or their finances have gotten to an impossible situation or uh, they don't see a hope or a future. God, whatever it may be, God, today they're saying, I surrender it to you. I give it to you and I trust you. I know you're going to make a way out of no way. And I thank you, God, that you're an awesome deliverer. I thank you that you're an awesome provider. And I thank you that you restore perfectly, God. Your restorative work, Father God, makes brand new, God. And I thank you, God, for restoring relationships, restoring our relationship with you, restoring those relationships that need to be restored. Lord God, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. I'm going to make a call. It's the last altar call. And you're saying, Pastor, I acknowledge that God's grace has been at work in my life. And he's been leading me close to you. And he's calling you to follow after him. To live this Christian walk. Not just preach it, not just teach it, not just hear about it Sunday after Sunday. And I realize that today he's calling you to a total surrender as he called Moses. And I don't want to do like I have in the past, question myself and question my ability. Today I want to say yes, I will follow after you, and I'm going to trust that you're going to do your work in me. Today you're saying, I'm surrendering, I'm surrendering to the call of God in my life, to follow after him, no matter where he leads me. If that's you today, would you come up to this altar right now? you're saying, I'm not going to doubt myself because it's not about me, it's about God in me. I know that I can walk this Christian walk, not because of me, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I know that this is not about me being perfect, but me allowing the perfect God to live through me. And when I make mistakes, I know that I can trust him to pick me up because he's a loving father that has a purpose for me. Today I'm responding to the call of God and I'm making a decision never to turn back. I'm making a decision today to keep my eyes focused on Him. I trust and believe Him this morning. I say yes to the call of God. I say yes to the call of God. If you would just stay here at the altar, at the altar workers who come up and just pray for those who are here, we'd love to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your word. We respond to your call, O Lord God. 
yes to you. And I pray, God, that as we lay hands, God, on those people that are here at the altar, I pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, the, the filling of your Holy Spirit in their life like never before. That they would sense your holiness, making them holy. That they would sense your peace, making them peaceful. That they would sense your purity, making them pure in every way. And God, that they would sense your love, God, awakening them to a greater reality. Baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. God, we pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your strength in our lives. Pray for those who are not at the altar, but are committed to you, Lord, here at the, their seats. Bless them. 